My name is Aldo Martin, and this is the Reclamation Podcast. All right, so today we have Carter from Kansas City. And Carter, you were a member many years ago, and we want to get into um, your, uh, your story. But you refer to yourself as a kingdom kid. Can you explain? Can you explain what that means to uh, to the listeners? First of all, hi Aldo, and thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so Kingdom Kid is just essentially someone who's been brought up in the church, either from an early age or at some point got, you know, moved into to the church <laughs> uh, with by the, with their parents came in, you know, later on. But for me, I was it was pretty early. Like I was two, two and a half. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you were you were a kingdom baby <laughs> yeah so more than just a kingdom kid your parents are involved and by default you're involved and of course as the years go on i'm sure you're in the children's ministry and then as you come of age you become a part of the teen ministry um that's right which is where i got i got baptized in the teen ministry as an older teen but nonetheless in the teen ministry you stated to me that your your personality as you became a teenager did not fit the mold with the group. Can, can you, can you explain that a little bit? Sure. Uh, so it was a very high energy group. Um, we, we had some charismatic leaders, uh, teen leaders, uh, that were really about pumping us up. Uh, we even had an event one time called surge for, Christ or something like that, where we had like cans of surge soda and we were drinking the surge. (laughs) (laughs) It was was silly. It was really silly, but you know, it was, it was basically like um, some kind of revival meeting, you know, basically getting everyone on board with evangelizing, getting us hyped about talking about Jesus and, and bringing people into, into the Kansas City, what became the Kansas City Church, or what was at that time the Kansas City Church of Christ, officially. Okay, okay. So, but you say that your personality did not fit the mold. What did that mean? Yes. Oh, <laughs> so there was very high energy, and it seems like the the people that really, the kids that really uh, became leaders, spiritual leaders in the group, were the more charismatic ones, the ones that were. Uh, what what I've described as a type A personality, so very outgoing. So if you so if you didn't fit that mold, then what was your personality like? I was a pretty shy and introverted kid. Um, I I was not like the teen leaders that were hyping us up. You know, I, I really didn't feel comfortable reaching out to people, just strangers. You know, like I would talk to my friends about about Jesus and about the church because yeah. I felt comfortable talking with them one-on-one about it. But yeah. you know, we'd be, we'd be going to malls and stuff. And, and so, they were- so <laughs> Carter, Carter, let me, let, let me stop you there. I got to ask you this then. So yes, the, there was a, a, a big uh, emphasis on evangelizing, right. That the church had, and I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. I'm just saying, stating that as a fact. And you indicated to me that, the most pressure that you felt with the church was with this need to evangelize. And, and you just touched on it now. Why, why, why was that the most pressured thing for you? 
Uh, well, it was one of the most pressured things for me. I mean, okay. there are plenty of uh, plenty of pressure points they they tended to push on. Okay. Um, but yeah, evangelizing was a, a key thing, and I, I think that's just because of the ICOC's obsession with growth. Yeah. Um, and the growth was uh, exponential throughout the '90s. So. Um, and, and it also sounds like uh, your personality did not really. You, you mentioned yourself as a bit introverted. So yes. that didn't really that didn't really fit. Oh no! I mean, when I would be at the mall, and uh, this one team leader, I won't name him, but he would, you know, he was basically the leader of the team ministry, the the head guy, and he'd bring us there, and and he would just start striking up conversations with people, and and then asking us to go do the same thing with random people, and you know, I would go and try, and and I was just like. It was very distressing because <laughs> I was super uncomfortable just talking to someone randomly. That's just completely outside of my comfort zone. And yeah. that's kind of what they wanted to do. They wanted to push us outside of our comfort zones. Um, and so I'd start a conversation with someone. It wouldn't be going well. And then he would step in. He would be like, kind of listening and step in and then <laughs> <laughs> kind of take over. And, you know, and he was very good. He was very good. And yeah. uh, convincing people to come. I mean, I think that's why he he uh, succeeded and thrived in the ministry is for that reason. Uh, he, he was just very good with people, um, a very magnetic personality. He, yeah. he was perfect. He was like the he was like the epitome of, of what the ICOC wanted for their leadership. Now, one of the things you said to me in our correspondence was that. Um the Kingdom Kids had to go through a process of breaking down their preconceived notions of Christianity. That's right. What, what is a, what does that what does that mean, man? Um, so yeah, we had a lot. We we did talk a lot about the other, you know, denominations of Christianity and what they believed and what they taught versus how we believe. You know, so the the ICSC was was and the Churches of Christ are very much into baptism uh, as being the path to salvation. You know, participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, all of that stuff, uh, versus what is more common in Christianity, you know, basically accepting Jesus into your heart, that sort of thing. So that was a big talking point for people who were coming in from outside the church. For me, yeah. I already knew for me, I already knew all of this. Um, this was all something I was brought up with and something I believed, uh, you know, about the baptism, about what it means to be a disciple. So I think um, what they would do with kids like me, it, it was kind of, I wouldn't even call it a, necessarily a deprogramming. It was more of a, a breaking us down. Um, yeah, it was, it was intense. Intense. What made it intense? Uh, so they would be very, I'm trying to find the word for it. Um, in, in the studies, the uh, first principle studies, you know, sometimes I would have to go through one of them more than once, not because I didn't understand the material, but because I think they were reading into my responses and how I, I, I think this is just my perception, but it feels like they did not really, they didn't accept my responses and my answers to questions. And, and because I, I don't think I was exhibiting to them the level of 
passion and dedication and and also the level of of shame and and acknowledging the need to repent um i didn't feel it in my heart you know it, understood it, so it was it was intense in the way that it was constant and it was a long process for me to become a disciple carter if, if i can i also feel the need to uh jump in and say this is also you processing this as a 12 13 14 year old kid yeah i mean i, I would before the team ministry i was in the pre-team ministry and they were basically ramping us up to join the team ministry that was that was the expectation that was the expectation. We were going to join the teen ministry, and then we were to become baptized disciples at some point in that chapter of our lives. Yeah. So, so, so as as the listeners are, are listening in, you know, we have a lot of former members that listen, or not a lot of former members, but the majority of our audience are former members, and for many of them, they they came in as adults and they went through these indoctrination processes or processes. Uh, in their twenties and their thirties, but here you are as a as a fourteen year old, and as as the father of a fourteen year old today, I, I cannot imagine me having my son make a a, a lifelong decision like that. Wow! You know? Yeah, I, I didn't know your your your, your kid was fourteen. Yeah, you know, so it's I, I got two. One is twelve. One is fourteen. It was definitely a lifelong commitment. They were they were trying to get me to sign up for. Yeah. Now. Like the rest of us, like all of us, we all had a, a, a discipling partner, right? Everyone, everyone had one. Right. And I'd be curious to know, what was this discipling partner dynamic with, with a kid? Like, can you, sure. can you explain that to us a little bit? Hang tight. We'll be right back. How do you feel about music? I love music. How do you feel about 80s music? 80s music is my jam. Well, what do you think about a podcast about 80s music? I think that's a great idea. I'm Aldo. And I'm Elena. Join us on the Jammin' on the One podcast. As we discuss, listen to, and reminisce about our favorite songs from the 80s and beyond. Sure. I mean, I can imagine adults partnering with kids and actually having a partnership. Um, I think that does happen, you know, but in this instance, it, it was hardly a partnership. It wasn't a discipleship partner. You know, it was, it was a, it was a superior subordinate kind of relationship. So um, what, what makes you, what makes you say that? What makes you say that? Uh, because we were to call them daily. We were to um, listen to how they would respond to our confessions. And it, it was very centered around shame a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and it was usually the discipler doing the shaming. You know, it was, it was, a, it was pretty much a, a one-way interaction where, you know, they might confess occasionally some, you know, some sins that, they've committed, you know, and maybe being a little bit open spiritually, uh, but on the whole, 
it it was just me telling them what my sins were, how my quiet time in the morning went, you know, how how I interacted with my peers at school and what I said and how I reached out to them, uh, you know, was I, was I doing God's work, you know, and being a, a true disciple. I have a, I have a follow-up question on that. So this is you again, uh, through the eyes of a kid, right? A young teenager. Were you surprised to find out later on that the adults had relationships like that too? Because I'm wondering if you thought this was normal because it was an adult discipling a teen, and maybe that's just mm. the nature of it. Were you surprised to find out that the adults had relationships like that too? No, because you know my parents had disciples growing up. Okay, uh, you know, and I didn't have anything to to gauge it next to. I just assumed that it was the way that these relationships worked. Okay. Uh, so it, it, I don't think it would have surprised me to know that the dynamics between my parents and other adults in the church with their disciples were, you know, basically the same as my dynamic with my discipler or disciplers. I had, I had a, a number of them. over the Okay. Years. Okay. Now, one of the questions I asked you, um, I asked you what, uh, what made a good disciple, Right. And when mm. I asked you that question, you you provided me with a twenty item checklist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now, without getting into all twenty, can you tell us about what some of these items were? Sure. I think I've already mentioned a few of them, but you know, just constantly reaching out. Uh, yeah. Sh- spreading the word, uh, preaching the word. Really, it's, it's more how it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, said, and also. Um, you know, quiet times, you know, always, at some point in the day, preferably the morning, you open up the Bible, you read from scripture, take notes, meditate on it, pray to God about it, maybe even yeah. follow a, a guided study. We have these little books, you know, for our quiet times that, that was actually, they were, I think a lot of them were published by the ICOC publishing company, whatever that was called. Are you talking about deep DPI books? Yeah, DPI. That's what it was, and and so we would have these study guides to to help yeah. lead us through the study. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, take I notes, just, pray. I, I just found it funny that when I asked you that question, you you listed it in checklist form, and it's uh-huh. almost like you know, for, for many of us, and I didn't realize it at the time, but for many of us, we just viewed or judged our spirituality based off of whether or not we were able to. Uh, check these boxes on a on a daily basis, and if we did check yeah. check those boxes, we thought we were spiritual. Right. I, I think on the whole, the ICOC was a, a culture of works and not grace. It was it was about uh, what you did and not the. For, it was more about that than the forgiveness of Jesus and salvation through those works. I mean, it was preached that you know that it was grace, but it really wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Culture of works and not grace. I like that, man. I like that. I'm actually writing that down. We might name this episode a culture of works and not and not grace. So oh, if you want to. <laughs> so like like many of us, like many of us, you failed to meet these requirements on a regular basis. And I'm not singling you out, but I'm just saying you, like many of us, myself included. What what was the result of that? Right? Like how did how was 
I, I don't, can I, can I interject? Cause oh. I don't really think that I characterized it properly. And it wasn't just that I was failing at, at meeting these requirements. It was, it was constant. It was very, it was weird. And it was, it was, it kind of was made me feel gross. You know, if I really think about it, it just the kinds of things that we, and especially now when I think back about it, it's just kind of icky <laughs> to, for lack of a better word. Um, so it was just constantly talking about, especially sexual sins. That was like the thing. It, it, it was an unhealthy obsession with sexual sins. And I don't think that's just the ICOC. I think that is a lot of Christianity across the board, a lot of denominations. Um, but, you know, talking to an adult when you're 14 about the t- last time you masturbated or and I or had a wet dream or a nocturnal emission, you know, like that, that's the kind of just sickening detail that we got into. And, and, and I told you how the disciple, my disciples would rarely open up to me about stuff, but the times they did, I wish they hadn't because they were telling me about the same kind of stuff, you know, about, about how they touch themselves. Or I mean, I remember one time in a D group, uh, it wasn't my discipler, but it was, you know, he was another leader in the team ministry and we were sitting around and he was telling us about the last time he, you know, wet his sheets with his semen. Like, why, why is that pertinent information? And also, why would that even be a sin? You know, it's, it's a natural bodily function. It's, it's actually healthy, you know, <laughs> that, so yeah. I don't. That, that's I, weird. That's weird for a, a teenager to process with this room full of adults. Yeah. And well, it wasn't even a room full of adults. It was a room full of kids and maybe a couple adults, mm. you know, having those discussions. And, and it's just weird because no, no other adult ever questioned the, uh, you know, another adult. <laughs> no adult questioned the other adults. It, so they had plenty of opportunities in these settings to yeah. to see that you know this this just isn't right. What maybe I should say something about this? Maybe I should talk to this brother. This sort of thing isn't okay. But that was. It, the culture did not allow for that. It was absolute control. It was authoritarian. It was totalitarian. You know, it, it's either, you know, that your discipler had so much power, you know, because they would tell their discipler, uh, who is usually a, you know, a leader, someone in the leadership or kind of, you know, mid-level leadership. And then they would tell their, <laughs> their disciples, whoever they were yeah. to the point where eventually, you know, the, the lead minister of the church knew all about you know, your dirty little secrets. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was, it, it sounds like, it sounds like this had a, this had a profound effect on you. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking impassioned about it, impassioned about it now, you know, because it makes, it does, it makes me angry to think about how I was treated and how everyone was treated. And I think that I was targeted a little more than others just because I was introverted. I didn't, I didn't exhibit those personality traits that they were really going for. And they were trying to, to, to craft me and coerce me and gaslight me into being this kind of person they, you know, to fit this mold like we were talking about earlier. You use the term class system to describe yeah. the ICOC. Can you? I think uh, there was. I mean, I, I say that now just based on my casual observations. But yeah, I think there was 
a bit of a class dynamic because you had the grunts, you you have you had the the people on the ground, the, the foot soldiers that would go out and evangelize at their workplaces, in their neighborhoods. And their schools. And, and their schools. Yeah, in my in the case of the Kingdom kids, the schools, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were doing a lot of the work in terms of growth. Um, and so they were tasked with the biggest responsibility in that regard, as well as, you know, paying tithings every week and special contribution every year, financing this whole operation. And m- many people didn't have the money, you know, for special contribution. They couldn't spare spare that. So yeah, there were a lot of people who were financially um, they they were the underlings, the, the working class of the church. Mm-hmm. And I I would say on the other side of that, there were the ministers and you know or the evangelists and the 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 tight little circles that they had with uh, with their closest friends and confidants. Yeah. And, and I think that there was, so it, it, the class dynamic was not only reflected in leadership versus clergy, or I mean, I mean clergy versus uh, whatever that word is. We'll, we'll just say membership. We'll just say membership. membership. Yeah. yeah. So there was uh, lay people. So there, there was that dynamic, but there was also people who weren't necessarily in leadership, but they were in tight with them, with, with the people in, in leadership. And I don't know. I, I mean, we're both in this, in this group, right. On, on social media. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, some people post some interesting questions. And uh, I think I described how at one point, how did anyone else notice that, you know, at least, at least in my city, that all of the evangelists, tend, you know, they, they, they lived in nice homes and nice neighborhoods. They seem to live in, you know, ex- expensive homes. <laughs> um, and, and they seem to be pretty well off. They, they didn't seem to have any financial worries, you know, any problems paying the bills. It was all, it was all very. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're fine because I do. That was a thing. That that was a thing. We had we had somebody who spoke with us on on season two of the program, and he told he was a former leader, and he told us about uh, having the the uh, the uh, the privilege of living in really expensive neighborhoods uh, here in New York City. You know, some of the leaders lived in expensive neighborhoods too. So, yeah, this was a this was a thing. So, no, you're you're uh, you noticing that. I don't think was uh, um, was an, an aberration. I think it was uh, it was the norm. It was the norm. But Definitely. Yeah. I I entered the church when I was turning eighteen or had already turned eighteen. You describe the year. Uh, you describe eighteen as the beginning of the end for your time with the ICOC. Can you can you walk us through that a little bit? Next time on The Reclamation. So, Carter, how long did it take for you to recover from the church? I honestly don't think that I have fully recovered. 